Football News. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The Boilermakers will try to get rolling once again in the final three games of the season starting Saturday afternoon with a visit from Minnesota. A full preview on the Golden Black Radio pregame podcast. I'm Kyle Charters with Tom Deanhart, Alan Karpik, and Brian Newbert. Well, Tom, the Boilermakers return home for what feels like the first time in forever, taking on Minnesota at 3.30 on Saturday. You know, uh, the game is played in terms of wins and losses. Unfortunately for Purdue, it's had too many losses here recently. However, you know, there are some signs that Purdue is continuing to fight a little bit on the football field, especially on the defensive side of things. I thought that was evident in the loss last week at Michigan. Unfortunately for the Boilermakers, the offense probably is what it is at this point, especially against good defenses in the Big Ten. But man, I mean, if you're trying to find a silver lining, Purdue's playing hard, the defense is is playing well, and maybe that can give uh, the Boilermakers an opportunity in these last three games, starting with the Golden Gophers on Saturday. Yeah, Kyle, a lot of good points. And and, it's a four-game losing streak for Purdue right now, but they have played at least four teams uh, that are are pretty salty. Uh, uh, Iowa, Ohio State, Nebraska, Michigan. All four of those teams have the one common thread, that being very good defense, obviously. And and, – you know, that's obviously contributed to some of the offensive woes Purdue has, has, has experienced and continues to experience. And I think you're right, Kyle. I think I think the attack – I mean, you are what you are right now. This this is early to mid-November, right? And uh, there are no secrets. You can't go to the waiver wire to pick up people. Everybody's dealing with injuries and attrition. you got to figure things out on the fly. And what Purdue's uh, issues on offense seem to be lengthy, beginning with an offensive line that's, that's uh, you know, threadbare, especially at the tackle spots. A receiving core, Kyle, that is frankly just lacks playmakers. I mean, they can't get open consistently, right? Um, and, and that really limits what you can do offensively. And I think that's and that's impacted Hudson Carr negatively, not having a dynamic receiving core and, and the spotty protection. So on and on it's gone. But like you said, here's Minnesota, then Northwestern, and then Indiana. So there's a chance for Purdue maybe to finish the season with some momentum and some victories. Yeah, it's a Minnesota team that doesn't scare offensively either, especially in the passing game. The Golden Gophers have really uh, struggled there. So, you know, it seems like a matchup between uh, two teams that are fairly evenly matched, even though the Gophers have a slightly better record than the Boilermakers. And, you know, that's reflected, I think, in the line. Vegas, uh, last I checked, uh, had Purdue at uh, favorite by just one and a half points, so not quite the – the home three, but you would anticipate that that means it could be a close game on Saturday. Yeah, I think most people expect that. And this has been kind of a fun series. Uh, Minnesota's had the upper hand. I think they've won eight out of the last 10, I want to say. But I, I posted a story today just going back maybe to the early 90s, even, Kyle, of some of the crazy games in this series. And you've been a part of some of the some of the craziness here during that run, too. That 2001 game up at the Metrodome, oh, yeah. and they got that last-second field goal. The weather delay game here in 2017, the first time Brom and Fleck met. Of uh, the game in 2019, where Sindler and, and Rondell Moore got hurt on the same play. One of the most bizarre moments I've ever witnessed in Ross Age Stadium. Of course, going back further, Kyle, the early 90s, they pretty lost up there one time, 50, 59 to 56. It's been a fun series. This game uh, should, uh, you know, uh, be a close matchup, like you said. And, Probably come down to something as simple as turnovers and big plays. So uh, a great opportunity. You no, know, Kyle, you know, each team thinks they can, get, they can get a W here. And 
Minnesota's coming off a very tough loss at home to Illinois last week. Obviously, you know, bowl eligibility is out the window at this point. Purdue now with its you know seventh loss after uh, falling at, at Michigan over the weekend. What do you think it tries to focus on here in these last three games to feel like it's uh, building a little bit of momentum toward the offseason? Well, I think um, you, you want to keep playing well on defense if you're Purdue. Uh, and, and this will be a chance against, like you said, Kyle, Minnesota offense that's, that's really struggled. Um, typically, you know, P.J. Fleck is a, is a real old-school physical coach. They want to beat you up on offense with a, with a tough ground game. They don't have that elite running back this year that they've had in recent years, a guy like Muhammad Abraham. Uh, and their quarterback play is just – it's pedestrian, that to put it politely. The, you know, Tanner Morgan had his moments, and he certainly had his against Purdue, but uh, they don't even have a Tanner Morgan right now in their center. So they're pretty limited. And they did have some dynamic ability at wide receiver in recent years too, but those guys are gone. So, again, this is this is a, an offense for you. Purdue's defense should have some success against. And anybody block Kydon Jenkins or Nick Scorton, we'll see. But Purdue's got its issues we know about too offensively. So which one of these two offenses can, can, can get some footing will obviously go a long way to determine who, who can win this ballgame Saturday. Yeah, defense, you mentioned those two guys, the two outside linebackers for the Boilermakers have been as good as any two guys uh, in the Big Ten. It seems like uh, the rest of that defense is following along uh, a yeah. little bit as well. I mean, you know, you've got to hand it to uh, what that group has been able to do, really, in, in in all honesty, not in the best circumstances either, because, uh, you know, while it doesn't seem like there's been any finger pointing, uh, certainly it's not easy to play defense when your offense is struggling. Uh, the numbers don't look as good as what you would hope they do because you have a tendency to be on the field longer than than what is desired but Purdue's still playing hard and it's got some guys who are really putting in some career seasons and I think some other guys who are um doing a better job at, at playing their roles out there with the other stars of that group yeah you're right uh, uh collectively they, 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 they've done pretty well this year they had some struggles early in the season flashback to September some of the issues just trying to set the edge how especially against the quarterback run it's Fresno State quarterback, you know, Garrett Schrader for Syracuse. But they, they've gotten things buttoned up a little bit better. They're not giving up quite as, quite as many big plays as we saw earlier this year. The two outside linebackers you talked about, Jenkins and Scorton, are playing at all Big Ten level. That line overall, Kyle, they did a great job last week in Ann Arbor. Michigan wanted to run the ball on them with Blake Corman, and Donovan Edwards, and they tried to impose their will a few times. And, and Purdue, I think, allowed a season low for Michigan, like 110 yards rushing. Um, and the back end, though, Kyle, that, that, that's where Purdue's issues have been, right? Um, losing Marquise Wilson, the cornerback, is hurt. They've had to play the true freshman, Derek Rogers Jr. Uh, he's had some growing pains. Botros Alessandro's just a new new kid. He's a JC. So, yeah, they, they sprung some leaks in coverage. But you know what? That, that front, by and large, has really played pretty well for Purdue on defense. All right, Tom, everyone on the whole team is injured. Uh, is, is anyone? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know um, – you know, Josh Kaltenberger did not play last week, which was a little bit of a surprise. He's had a back issue, and he's probably was going to start a tackle. And that, that's why they had to go with, with, with Daniel Johnson and Ben Farrell as a tackle. Now, look for Kaltenberger to be back this week. He's not going to start, but he's available, and they're going to need him up front because he can not only, not only plays tackle, Kyle, he can play guard and even center if you need. Really, your third tackle or one of your third tackles or extra tackles is still going to be Gus Hartwig as well. So, but again, look for Kaltenberger to be back. 
Don't expect, obviously, uh, Abdur Rahman Yassin to play. This will be the fourth game he's missed with some knee issues. And we learned this week that Mershon Rice is done for the year. He had that big catch last week. He got hurt, and he's done for the season, according to Ryan Walters. And there's a litany of other guys who have been out for all year that will continue to be out, obviously. But the only real new name, as far as good news, is, is getting Kaltenberger back, uh, which will help that, that offensive line's depth. And Ben Freehill was back last week, and that did make a difference. Yeah. I mean, and being able to get on the scoreboard, he looked uh, fresh and a scary, scary injury <laughs> for him, too. Nice to have yeah. him back out there, especially if he's going to hit kicks. Yeah, we talked. I wrote a story. We talked to Ben this week. Uh, really, he really detailed what he'd gone through with his blood clots and a really scary situation. And it was never life threatening, but for a 22 year old kid to deal with blood clots, and he said it was awfully scary and um, had a lot of pain. Kyle had a little surgical procedure the week of the Ohio State game. And he says he's, he's as good as new now. And it was nice to see him get out on the field in the big house last week and make his, his two field goal attempts. Much more to go on the show today. We'll talk Alan Carpick. A little bit of a flash around the Big Ten. We'll bring in Brian Newberg, get his perspective on the Boilermakers as well. And we'll talk to Tom once again here in a couple of minutes, some matchups in our predictions on the game on Saturday. Let's take a break. Back with more in a moment. You're listening to Golden Black Radio. Hi, I'm WLFI meteorologist Eric Segbor with your game day forecast. If you're going out tailgating Saturday before the 3.30 kickoff, expect a chilly morning and chilly afternoon with lots of sunshine expected. Temperatures will rise from the upper 20s to the upper 40s. At kickoff time, expect a cool 50 degrees with sunshine. And as you head out at the close of the game, expect a chilly evening with temperatures generally in the 40s. From WLFI, this is meteorologist Eric Segbor. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent. We're pleased to have Mike Grimm on the line with us. Mike is the longtime voice of the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Mike, thank you very much, sir. Gophers headed to West Lafayette, um, looking, uh, looking to get back on the winning track. Sort of, sort of give our listeners an idea of what to expect from the Golden Gopher offense on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Tom, thanks for having me on. Always enjoy chatting with you and, uh, and, and getting some insight from you, as always. Uh, the Gophers are just what they've been in previous years with P.J. Fleck. They love to run the football. They want to establish the run. They like to play from out front and then suffocate the game away. And they've done that enough to get to five wins. And then that formula hasn't always worked as well this year either as they got out front and couldn't melt the game away this past weekend and then, uh, you know, gave up the, the long drive, which was inexplicable late in that game. But uh, it's going to be a typical uh, Golden Gopher team that Boilermaker fans have seen the last handful of years that uh, they're going to want to establish the run. Um, they do play pretty good defense despite what we saw on that last drive last week. And, and I'm sure that uh, Minnesota's hoping to um, to keep playing good defense this weekend. 
Tell our listeners what they can uh, look for from the Minnesota defense on Saturday when this thing kicks off at 3.30 Eastern time. Yeah, they have two really outstanding all Big Ten level players. Safety Tyler Newbin, who I think stands a chance to be a first team all conference pick. And then linebacker Cody Lindenberg, who missed the first seven games of the year. He, he is an all Big Ten caliber type player. Uh, he'll be playing in his third game of the season this coming weekend. Um, he was on a bit of a pitch count in, uh, in his first uh, outing against Michigan State a couple of weeks ago. Played every series then this past week. Had 11 tackles forced that fumble late and um, and, and it, it's been a defense that um, is pretty salty um, maybe not as good as the defenses that Joe Rossi the coordinator has had the previous couple of years they've given up more explosive plays this year than in previous seasons including that one that uh, ended up being uh, you know the losing play last week against Purdue after they had it looked like made a couple of winning plays in back-to-back possessions to set things up and they, they just couldn't hold on so um, it's been a little more inconsistent. They get more pressure on the quarterback this year than they have in the past, but they've been giving up more explosive plays as well. But it's a typical four-two-five, you know, defense that uh, that Minnesota has run in previous years, and and they've got some playmakers. Justin Wally, I should mention him, number five as a quarterback. He's a guy that always seems to have his nose around the football as well, and he had a fumble recovery last week against the the Fighting Illini. Okay, last question, Mike. How do you see this game unfolding on Saturday? Well, I don't think there's a lot of separation from the best team in the West to the team that's in the bottom of the standings. And I, you know, I don't think the standings matter at this point. So I would foresee a typical Big Ten West. Uh, probably at this point a low-scoring kind of a game, and you know the team that um, makes the fewest mistakes will probably win the game. Turnovers will be a factor. Um, I, I, I would call this a coin toss game. I think that's what the odds makers are looking at as well. And um, you know, uh, I, I think that um, that, 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 that this is one of going to be one of those games that um, you know the winning team is going to probably have some help from the other team, and that means you got to limit your mistakes because the margin of error is is so small. The key for Minnesota, to me, is not settling for field goals in the red zone, which has been a bugaboo on offense for them, and then, um, you know, trying to force some turnovers against that Purdue offense. Should be good. The Gophers open, I think, is about a one-point favorite. Purdue's trying to end a four-game losing streak while the Gophers are trying to get bowl eligible. Should be a a typical Gopher Boilermaker battle, Mike. I look forward to seeing you and appreciate your time, sir. You bet. Always enjoy. Thank you, Tom. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, Industrial and Classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. 
Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find, featuring the staff of Golden Black. Let's bring in Brian Uber to get his perspective on the Boilermakers, who set two and seven on the season. Purdue has lost four consecutive games. And Brian, there will be no postseason for Purdue this year after two straight uh, years that ended with bowl games. Uh, Purdue will not see that happen this year. Uh, what is what is the goal, in your opinion, then down the stretch here? I mean, it feels to me like at the very least, Purdue is continuing to play hard, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It seems like here over the last couple of weeks, offense sort of is what it is at this point. Um, but you'd like to see some sort of positive signs, I think, going toward the offseason here over these last three games. Yeah, I'm not sure what the uh, uh, what the landscape looks like in terms of any five and seven teams potentially getting to bowl games. But no, Purdue's probably not going to the postseason. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's uh, it's been a rough season, obviously. It has not gone uh, as I'm sure Ryan Walters would have liked. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of seeing here there were a lot of things that um, required attention. You know, sometimes these things take uh, take a year or two to, you know, start to hum a little bit and uh, – uh, you do want to see positives. You know, I thought after Virginia Tech, as 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 mediocre as Virginia Tech seemed back then, I thought that was a pretty positive thing. The Illinois game where you really handled a team you stacked up fairly well against, uh, I thought that was really positive. But obviously you haven't had enough of those moments. And now I just think, you know, uh, I know – upset fans will cry excuses, but I just think you're so hurt now that you're just, it's just kind of a, you know, playing out the string kind of deal here maybe, but you just, you have no offensive line. It's just decimated and uh, you know, all of that stuff. And it's just, you know, clearly Hudson card has not been the guy you hope he would be a large part because of the circumstances around him. He is clearly um, affected by the, uh, lack of protection, the lack of playmakers. Um, and I just don't think you're seeing what he's capable of doing right now. And whether or not you can get all this righted by next year, you know, I guess we'll kind of figure it out. We'll see how they fare these last couple of weeks. But I'm not sure that uh, with the nature of college football nowadays and your roster turnover year to year, I'm not sure anything that happens late in the season really, really uh, vaults you into next season anymore. Yeah, that's probably right. I mean, you know, clearly one of the, the main objectives during the offseason is to get some veteran offensive lineman and to try to restock that position because anytime you're playing your best offensive lineman, Gus Hartwig, 
at a position he basically has never played before at, at right tackle and throwing him in there in a game because that's just where you are. Um, not an ideal situation. I mean, you could probably go back a few years, right? I mean, Purdue got a string of injuries to young offensive linemen a few years ago. Um, you know, guys that at Purdue, you need to be able to develop some of those young guys. I don't know. Purdue felt like had what, three or four uh, players who just had to leave the program because of, of injury. I mean, you know, that stuff, along but they with the, the transfers, that starts, starts to add up. Um, well, when Purdue had those injuries a few years back, they weren't your best guys. You know, it was like Will Bramel, who was a guy who was going to play, but, yeah. you know, best often. Well, he, I don't know. He might've been, it, it's really hard to say this kid would have been this had he not gotten hurt. But right. when you lose Marcus, Marcus bow, who was, you know, if not their best offensive lineman, their second best offensive lineman, Hartwig came into the season hurt. Uh, Carlton Berger's out right now. He would have been your center. Uh, if when you move Hartwig to tackle. Yeah. Uh, so one of those guys who, you know, might be one of your starting guards right now. Um, but you also, it's just, it's hard enough to put a five-man group together that's pretty good at Purdue. But once you have to get to your depth, that's when you're generally very much in trouble. Uh, you're down both your tackles right now. Um, you're playing guys that you got off the transfer wire uh, this past season, probably more for depth than to actually have to play. I can't imagine, you know, some of these guys coming up from NAIA, Purdue said, hey, this guy can start for us. Right. All due respect to these guys. Obviously, I'm not trying to belittle Ben Farrell or, or anything like that, but it's just, it is what it is. You know, you take bodies at a certain point in time because you need bodies. You need guys in practice. You need um, just ranks. And there, sometimes you take guys, and the best case scenario is they never play a game for you. And now Purdue is starting those guys, and it's they're just overmatched. Yeah, uh, it's not uncommon for Purdue, uh, you know, to not have the best offensive line in the Big Ten. It's not uncommon for Purdue to not have one of the ten best offensive lines at Purdue. But what you have to also be able to do is schematically help your protection. You have to do things that take some of the onus off the blocking and holding your blocks for five seconds and, you know, getting the ball out quick and, and turning people's pressure against them and things like that. And I, I just don't see a whole lot of that going on right now. It is hard to, it is really hard to run a functional offense without protection, but at the same time, you really have to do some things to help your protection. Yeah. And I think you could do a better job uh, crafting offense to do that. Um, I know that, that's kind of a general criticism, but I think that, uh, you know, that's always something Purdue's had to do. Joe Taylor did it with with his staff, with their quick passing game. Uh, Jeff Brom did it to a certain extent with some of the pre-snap motion and things like that. Danny Hope and Gary Nord did it with all their screen games, all those slip screens they used to run, things like that. I, I just don't see a whole lot of that going on right now. It, it It's probably too late to, you know, change your playbook at this point. Yeah, probably so. You know, Ryan Walters has had some, you know, I think off uh, off field momentum. Recruiting seems to be going okay. How long does that stuff last? You think when the results on the field aren't aren't what you want them to be? I mean, you can still sort of 
Uh, you can still sort of have some momentum there uh, with the idea that, you know, eventually when you start to get your guys in, you're going to be able to turn the corner. Well, a lot of that, uh, a lot of these guys committed to Purdue before Purdue played a game with Ryan Walters and they didn't exactly, they weren't exactly galvanized to commit to Purdue based on the fact that Purdue won the Big Ten West last year under a different coaching staff. So I think, you know, the energy and the charisma of, of a new and young coaching staff is probably what did that more than anything. Um, mm-hmm. So I, 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 I think it's probably pretty sustainable at the same time. You don't want to like bottom out and just, right. It's reason to believe that they're never going to win game if they go where they committed. Um, but um, the other part of it now is how much does it matter? Because, yeah. yeah, are you going to win anymore with high school players four years later, three years later, or are you, are you going to win with the guys you get on the transfer wire? A good the, answer, the answer is a combination thereof, but yeah. it's almost like finding class that all the transaction stuff doesn't matter all that much anymore. Uh, it, it, if you can get three or four difference makers, you get one Dylan Thiedem in a class, you know, something like that. Uh, and then a bunch of good transfers. Uh, probably you need more than one Dylan Thiedem. And I, I think if you can get three or four guys who can make a difference in year one or year two, hold on to them and then get good, good enough transfers, have your quarterback settled, you know, things like that. Um, everybody else is just kind of window dressing. They're all going to get thrown into that portal bucket at some point. Um, I'm not saying 75% of the class is going to transfer, but a lot of guys are going to transfer and they're going to be replaced by other guys from transferring. Yeah. No, it's the way it's going to be. That's, uh, that's for sure. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Back with more in a moment. This is Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. Alan Karpik here for the Big Ten Roundup. Let's talk five games going on across the league, including the big one at noon in Happy Valley, number 10, Penn State, coming in with an 8-1 and one record, 5-1 and one in the Big Ten against number three, Michigan. The Wolverines are undefeated, 9-0, 6-0 in the Big Ten, and a slight favorite, four and a half points on the road. This is a, a huge contest. Uh, Alan, it feels like, you know, Penn State and these games, James Franklin, I don't know what the numbers show you. I don't think it's great uh, against top five teams that he has played in his career. It just feels like these type of games are the ones that Penn State loses. At some point, maybe they're going to win one. And for me, this feels like Michigan, with everything that's gone on, should really be on upset alert in Happy Valley. Uh, it, it should be, but I just think Michigan's better. Well, but I, I, you know, I don't know. He's three and 16 against top 10 foes, uh, James Franklin. 
Uh, he is, I think, but he's not beaten a top five team, I believe, uh, in his tenure. So, uh, you know, in 123 games, he's only 12 and 24 against teams ranked in the top 25. So, yes, that's not a trend. And, and Penn State still has a path still to the college football playoffs if they can yeah. be, win this game and Michigan turns around. And I still don't know, still haven't done the cipher of who wins the tiebreaker, but I believe it is the. It's the team with the that the, the the tiebreaker that would come to is your record the record of the teams you play in the uh, other division and I'm not yeah. sure who even wins that so but uh, be that we'll figure that out in a couple of weeks if it comes to fruition but I like uh, I still like Michigan for some reason in this game just because I think they're just a little bit better defensively and I think that Penn State for some reason uh, Andrew Allerhead was just not as impressive as I thought he should be against Ohio State when all the lights were on. I understand that was three weeks ago, but uh, I still I think I'm going to give Michigan a slight edge in this one. The other gigantic game in the Big Ten happens in Champaign, Illinois. <laughs> yes, it is. The border the war. The fighting Illini. Hey, both these teams won last week. Give them some credit. Fighting Illini coming in at a four and five record, two and four in the Big Ten, Indiana. Still fighting for bowl eligibility, three and six. And look, there's a path for the Hoosiers, believe it or not. Three and six, one and five uh, in the Big Ten. Illinois is a favorite by nearly a touchdown, six and a half. But both these teams were surprise winners uh, last week. And for two teams that still have a chance to get to the postseason, Indiana's is slim, but the schedule is not impossible these last three games. Uh, This is a big one. Yeah, I'm not even sure how slim it is. I mean, if, if they can get through, they're going to be an underdog, you know, six and a half point. And if and if Purdue is a favorite against Minnesota, my guess is if Purdue wins one of its next two games, it will be a favorite against Indiana, maybe by a point or two. But Indiana's got Illinois, Michigan State, and and Purdue in its last three games. They still, you know, they beat Wisconsin, and that was a good win for them. But Wisconsin is a complete shell of itself. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have Braylon Allen, doesn't have its quarterback. Uh, we, you know, no, you know, they don't have any either top two back, running backs. backup running back. Backup running back got hurt versus Purdue. That is correct. Uh, uh, so, uh, two hundred one eighty-one yards that IU has an offense, and they still win the game. Can you imagine the of the West Division? I've never seen a situation where you've had seven horrendous offenses. I mean, it is just uh, staggering in terms of how bad the uh, Big Ten West is offensively. I mean, even last year when the Big Ten West wasn't very good and, and uh, the University of Purdue, as we call it, was snuck up, snuck away and won that uh, won that division. At least it had an offense that was uh, serviceable and a, and a quarterback that now is a starter in the NFL. Uh, it's just brutal right now. I mean, I think maybe Purdue last year might have might have gone undefeated uh, at least against the West Division the way it is right now. Yeah, uh, it, it's uh, sort of going out here with a whimper to to say the least. Oh, no doubt. Uh, one West team that will host one from the East is a noon kickoff. Nebraska uh, at five and four, three and three in the Big Ten. A team out of the West that sort of fell on its face last week. One of a number of them that that seem to do so being the Cornhuskers. Uh, Maryland is just falling on his face every week here recently. It feels like, I mean, talk about a team that, that looked great and then now looks really bad five and four, two and four in conference play. Maryland 
This is shocking to me. Maryland is a two-point road favorite in Lincoln, having lost four consecutive games. That's wild. Uh, this one is a difficult one to handicap because you just don't know what to expect, really, from either team. And again, it's another turnover battle. I mean, Maryland's really struggled with that. On paper, Maryland uh, it looks like a team that, uh, uh, I mean, yes, it's lost four in a row. The shocking loss really in that one was Illinois. Um, and uh, that uh, that didn't help uh, help them as well. I don't know. I mean, Nebraska surprised me last week by not taking care of business well enough in, in Michigan, Michigan State. Um Again, you can't have a scoreless tie in these things, so somebody's going to have to win. And Maryland can score a little bit, and maybe it'll get its confidence back uh, offensively uh, that uh, they'll be able to get the count. Hold on, hold on, my stupid ad. You were saying Maryland will get its confidence back offensively. Yeah, yeah. Maryland will get its confidence back, maybe offensively, and have enough to beat Nebraska. But uh, uh, again, uh, who the heck knows? And yet, uh, both those teams uh, are in desperate needs of a, need of a win. And Nebraska wants to uh, certainly say it's making progress under Matt Rule, which it, it shows some signs of doing so. Uh, will do so by getting to a bowl game. Iowa angling to be the most inept ten offensively. 10-2 and two team in the history of college football. Uh, stands 7-2. and two. It's ranked 22nd in the country, 4-2 and two in the Big Ten, 3-30 kickoff uh, on Saturday against Rutgers, which is 6-3, and 3-3 three. Three and three in the Big Ten. We laughed at the over-under last week, Allen, in Wrigley Field versus Northwestern. It was 30-and-a-half. The over-under for the Hawkeyes and the Scarlet Knights, 28-and-a-half. Iowa's favored well, by a single point at home. That's pretty wild, uh, just in it, of itself. Uh, this one's going to be another 10-7 to 7 type game that the Hawkeyes probably are going to find a way to win. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, both those teams, both are bowl eligible. They're both not, even though you, we're going back to the Kyle Charter's theorem of uh, Rutgers being the second best team, they might be the best team. And maybe they get the chance to, to, to if they can win in Iowa City, they will certainly walk away with the crown uh, of the best team in the Big Ten West. Um, Iowa certainly has the inside track to, to Indianapolis and maybe is the most qualified, though they certainly are, are just laboring offensively. I mean, if they could if they could just play fourth down every time and punt the ball and return kicks, they'd have a chance. But I, again, I, I just I think I I would tend to agree that I think Iowa gets through this game uh, again. Rutgers is you know has to stop turning the ball over, or can't turn. You just can't. You don't have a large a lot of margin for error because. Iowa's defense, at least against pedestrian teams, is pretty good and probably will have enough to get through Rutgers. Another 330 kick, Wisconsin, which is five and four, three and three in the conference, taking on Northwestern, four and five, two and four in the Big Ten, both coming off losses last week. The Badgers, a 10 point favorite. Can you imagine, though, had Northwestern found a way to pull that game off against Iowa, you'd be sitting here with the Wildcats having a chance to win the Big Ten West, which just – they probably don't now at two and four, but they would have at three and three. Uh, and that was a close game they had a chance in. 
it's pretty wild how how well Northwestern has, how competent Northwestern has played. Yes, in a in a Big Ten West that's not. Very yeah, good. I mean, I think maybe it's a testament to to Pat yeah. Fitzgerald and the team he had, even though they had a horrible year last year. But the Wildcats have you know, again Wisconsin, Purdue, Illinois. Um, they could get to five and four. Um, they would lose the tiebreaker if it's just two teams at five and four, but I don't know if that'll happen in the Big Ten West. I'm talking about if they tie with Iowa. Um, anything's possible. Again, Iowa, excuse me, Wisconsin is just so dinged up. Braden Locke did throw for 243 yards or whatever it was last week against against Indiana, but somebody had to. I mean, it was. That's the kind of game it was. Um, I just don't know. Um, Northwestern, not very good on the road. has been decisively beaten in three road games at Rutgers, Duke, and Nebraska. And I, I think that Wisconsin will beat them, but uh, Wisconsin's injury situation is troubling at, at, uh, at the least. And the late one, which we won't talk about here because Ohio State will sleepwalk its way through beating Michigan something like 33 to nothing uh in columbus that is the big 10 roundup let's go back in time with a historical look here's alan karthik all right alan let's take a historical look at purdue and minnesota this series uh over the years has featured some some crazy crazy games some high scoring games some last second kicks uh some bad penalties uh some bizarre penalties some phantom penalties, <laughs> yeah. uh, and uh, and and a bunch of other things. It's been uh, a, a weather delay too, right? Mixed in there yeah. as well. Uh, it's been a wild one. You know, the, it sort of never know exactly what you're going to get. It seems like when these two teams uh, square off. Well, and on the and the weather prediction that our good partners at WLF have already done is going to be there won't be any weather day weather delay on Saturday for this one. But yeah, the, the game in 2017 with Jeff Brom, uh, the score was very deceiving, 31-17 final. But Purdue uh, had to have a pick six down the stretch, and was in Minnesota was within the shadow of, the, of scoring a touchdown there that uh, Purdue made a made a big play on that. So. Uh, as I recall. But yeah, it's been one of those weird series. I mean, you go back to 2019 and Elijah Sindelar and Rondale Moore getting hurt on the same play, ending their season on the same play. Was, I don't think I've ever seen that before. The phantom pass interference call, Payne Durham, it, up at the, call, the pass from Jack Plummer that uh, was truly a phantom during COVID and, and the Boilermakers lose that one 34-31. Heck, even Two years ago, when Purdue ended up winning the winning eight games and uh, and doing well in the uh, uh, no that was the I'm sorry I'm one year ahead of myself but uh, still 2021 they lose 20 to 13 in a game that uh, was really not that close and a Boilermaker team that went out and went won a bowl I should say uh, when it when it beat uh, uh, beat Tennessee's in the uh, in Nashville so yes it's been a crazy series even going back to the 30 year anniversary of the the Famous 59-56, Purdue scores 56 points, the most at that time. And again, this is pre-overtime rules. Most at that time of any team has ever scored in a losing cause. 
I think Jim Coletto, as the story goes, either fired his assistant coach or fired his two of his defensive coaches or his defensive coordinators to say, Mo, ache me. And either at halftime or or I, maybe it was on the plane ride home, there were some fisticuffs in the Purdue locker room, as I understand, among the assistant coaches. wasn't a happy time, and uh, Purdue loses that one. And that was some times when Mike Allstott uh, would have some big days and Purdue would still lose some games against the Gophers. They lost another one there, 39-38. So there have been some crazy games in this series, and I don't think either one of these teams have enough offense to make anything crazy on Saturday, but uh, uh, Purdue-Minnesota does have a history, certainly going back to the Tiller era, um, of having and, and before of having some wild, wild games against the Golden Gophers. The big question that will be, Alan, will all the teams in the Big Ten West combine to score the same number uh, of total points <laughs> in that game? You know, years ago? Will, will, the, the, the whole, will all the teams in the West get to 105 points this weekend? Oh, well, 115, if my addition is correct, right? So, uh, 115, uh, yeah. yeah uh, and, and I don't know. That's a great – that would be a – I know there are all kinds of prop bets you can make. You probably – you could probably reinvent that. You could run your own book service, Kyle, and try to get some people to bet on that one because that's a good one. I don't know. We'll have to go back and we'll, stay tuned. Next week we might yeah. have to bring that one out. That's a good call. I walked underneath the math building several times in my time. <laughs> never went yeah. inside. Uh, there you go. <laughs> all right. Thanks, Al. All right. Thanks, Kyle. That's a historical view of Purdue and Minnesota. We'll take a break. Back with more in a moment. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, Tom, on his radio show this week, Ryan Walters said that, uh, at least I think it was the radio show, perhaps some other time during the media availability, uh, sort of uh, took aim at Monday morning quarterbacks uh, mm. uh, about uh, it's just not as easy as rolling pockets and trying yeah. to buy the quarterback. 
more time that they are aware of some of their issues and trying their best to remedy them. Uh, and, and maybe there are some reasons why they're not doing what some of us, including myself, mm -hmm. have, uh, have suggested. What, you know, what do you what do you think some of the, the, the cause is there? Do you have any idea what, you know, just not feeling comfortable maybe with the makeup of his offensive line to be able to to do some of that? Uh, I would imagine that, that maybe that's some of what he is alluding to a little bit there. I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, it, it's hard to say they're not trying to find answers. Clearly, they're being paid uh, to and, and not only paid, but they want to win. Uh, so. So I think they're trying to come up with solutions. Um, you know, just the solutions are are pretty hard to come by offensively. You know, I thought of you right away, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I heard that, I think he may have said that on his radio show. He mentioned some of it too in his Monday presser. I asked him if he thought uh, Hudson Carter had happy feet. Um, I was, you know, I was, I mean, we've seen him kind of, you know, kind of, you know, maybe maybe leave the pocket quickly uh, as soon as things broke down. And, never really stepping up in the pocket, but you know, let's be honest, a lot of times it's not a pocket to step up into. So it would be understandable if, he, if he's a little gun shy. Uh, uh, we've talked, I think even either off air or on or before Kyle about, he has to have this internal clock going off in his head. I got to get rid of the ball. I got to get rid of the ball. I got to get rid of the ball. He always feels on the rush, you know, and he knows he doesn't have much time probably to, to get rid of the ball and then find a receiver. So, I got again. I'm just guessing on that, but that I'm thinking that that's got to be maybe a factor in some of his ineffectiveness at times, for sure. Ryan didn't think he had happy feet at Michigan. He thought maybe he did in Nebraska a little bit more. Now, you know they they know what they can do offensively. I'm guessing they're limited by what that line can do. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe that's what's holding them back as far as being able to move the pocket and whatnot, and to come up with some other some other ways to make the offense effective. So you got to think they're emptying the bucket, right? Trying to figure out ways to move the ball, but right now it's, it's been exasperating for a lot of people. For Purdue defensively, it seems like the game plan this week has to be pretty, pretty simple, right? I mean, load up, stop the run, force the ball into the quarterback's hands and see if you can create some turnovers with that pass rush. Yeah, I think that's probably the, the game plan uh, for every defense against every Big Ten West offense. <laughs> yeah. all, every, every, every Big Ten West offense is exactly the same, isn't it? I mean, it's, exact, it's exactly the same. You're playing the same team every week. <laughs> Basically, you do the quarterback play. Again, not good. He's uh, Minnesota. I mean, the Illinois kid got hurt in Altmeyer. They had to bring in Paddock and, you know, the the guy at Nebraska. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the the guys up at, 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 at Wisconsin uh, – uh, the transfer from, from SMU has been a little spotty, too. So, again, you're right. I think you, you hit the nail on the head there. You want to get that extra man in the box, and Minnesota's going to want to try to run, but you got to make that quarterback try to beat you. And I, I, I'd have to think that's going to be the MO. They're going to come out a little heavy and try to slow that run down and then get after the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it seems pretty evident uh, to me that that's what the game plan has to be. All right, Tom, who you got on Saturday? I'm going Purdue, man. I think I think they're going to find a way. I think, you know, Minnesota coming off that tough loss. Again, the backup quarterback came off the bench and drove them down the field, just broke the spirit of the Gophers to lose that one late to a backup quarterback on their home field, no less. Uh, kept them from becoming bowl eligible. And Purdue, four losses in a row. And I, I sense that despite that, it was despite the struggles, Ryan Walters seemed to have a real bounce to his step this week. There's still a lot of enthusiasm. 
a lot of energy. That that's 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 the feeling I get talking to him and talking to the players this week. Yes, they are two and seven, uh, but no, they they're not ready to mail things in yet. I think they see the opportunity here down the stretch to have some success. And I think that they want to pay them to this home crowd off with 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 their victory on Saturday. I think it's going to be close. I think the Boilers are going to win by, you know, three to four points, something like a twenty-one to seventeen game. Yeah, I I, I think that uh, you know there seems to be some realization about where Purdue is right now. I think, and uh, for some reason, that seems to be you know galvanizing them to some extent. Like the defense knows that it's going to have to play really hard because the it understands that the offense is going through some things, um, and so I, I I think that's created a situation where. You know, Purdue's playing hard on defense. It's trying hard, I think, even though the results aren't what a lot of people want on offense. Um, and I agree with you. I think Purdue gets the win uh, on Saturday. I mean, I, Minnesota just doesn't scare you, um, doesn't scare you offensively at least. And so because of that, it's the kind of game that you would think that you'll be in. Now, those type of games Purdue has lost this year too, Iowa, uh, Nebraska, games that it thought that it might have a little bit of advantage um, and then just didn't. Um, you know, the Iowa game being the, the main one there, I think. Um, but I think Purdue finds a way to, to get this one done on Saturday. Uh, I'll take the Boilermakers. I don't know. I think somehow maybe it does get a little bit higher scoring, 27-24, something like that. The over-under I know is 47 and a half. Uh, seems hard to get to 47, but I'll take the over anyway. And uh, I'll take the Boilermakers uh, to get a win. All right, Tom. Thank you. Take care, my friend. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. Uh, Thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhardt, Brian Newbert, and Alan Kerpik. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Golden Black Radio.